The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. How's it going? How you doing, guys? Uh, we have an interesting show today. We have a podcast within a podcast. Yeah, we have uh, the friends at the Bad Dog Agility Podcast joining us here today, and we're super excited about that. But first, as always, we are going to start with the quirky tip of the day. <laughs> and our quirky tip today uh, benefits both our podcast and their podcast. If you guys are listeners to either the Quirky Dog or Bad Dog Agility, subscribe to the channel. Um, it's awesome that you tune in every week, but those subscriptions really help both of us. So without further ado, we have Sarah and Esteban with us. They are the hosts of the Bad Dog Agility podcast. It is a very exciting podcast um, with a lot of listeners. Outside of um, their podcasting, Esteban is a wound care physician and Sarah is a computer programmer. And welcome, guys. Thanks for being yeah. on the show. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thanks for having us. All right. So we kind of wanted to talk about um, how Bad Dog Agility and the podcast and everything kind of came to fruition because you guys have been at this game now for quite a while. Yeah, we had to look it up. We had to look up uh, the year that we started. Um, But uh, yeah, we started first with the Bad Dog Agility blog, the website, and uh, that was really Stevan's deal there. And that Mm -hmm. was 2012. That was uh, April 2012. Yeah, I still remember my first article. I think I'd come back from the uh, uh, World Championship team tryouts for the AKC, for the FCI Agility World Championship. And there was this challenge on one of the courses where, you know, you had to take your dog through a 180 uh-huh. over a jump and then come back on a, on a second jump the other way. But the judge had put a tunnel in the background and that tunnel was just killing people. Yeah. You know, dogs were going into the tunnel, dogs were going really wide, dogs were spinning the wrong way. And so, you know, I, I felt like I had a really good solution for it. So I wrote an article and I put it on the internet and I shared it. And I was like, you know, maybe you guys should check this out. And then if you run into this again, you know, you'll be able to deal with it. Okay. And that was the very first article. So I think um, when we put together Bad Dog Agility, it was about, um, I, I wouldn't say necessarily instructing. I don't think that was on the radar when we started. It was more like... Um, uh, like agility strategy. It was really about the agility. It was really about handling because, you know, like everyone back in the uh, early 2000s, we had a little blog of our own. It was like uh, Team Fernandez Lopez, right? <laughs> FernandezLopez.org, I right. think was the blog name. Yep. Where you write about how your dog did that weekend. Oh, my dog got, you know, one out of six and missed all their contacts. I'm so sad. We need to work on our contacts. And so, you know, lots of people were doing blogs like that where you, tell about how your day went, your weekend went, and things that you're working on and why you're happy or sad. But this was really different. Yeah, you guys delve more into the strategy, it seems. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that was the start of that. And then Sarah can tell you a little bit more about the the actual podcast. That was the blog part. Right, right. And it was right on the heels. uh, You know, I think we had four blog articles before we did our first podcast. And um, I had a long commute to work. And so I was often listening to, uh, podcasts on all kinds of topics. And, uh, I really liked that format. And so I came to a stuff and I said, well, you know, maybe we should do an agility podcast. And I was, I was actually pretty surprised at the time to discover that there weren't 
there weren't really any out there because yeah. there are so many podcasts out there. But, uh, you know, I come from a technical background. And so uh, that tends to be a little bit more leading edge. There are lots of podcasts, you know, about uh, business and about, you know, podcasts about podcasting and podcasts about uh, computers and, and all that kind of stuff. And so when I found that there was nothing for agility specifically, I said, well, you know, we should do this. And so uh, we just kind of hopped in. There was like a, a one page tutorial on, on uh, with recommendations for a mic and, and how to do the recording on your computer. And I just followed the tutorial, ordered the mic. It came in two days on Amazon Prime. Like we got it and recorded our first episode and put it up all within like, you know, a couple of days of deciding we were going to do this. We yeah. didn't give ourselves time to like back out. <laughs> yeah, don't don't <laughs> overthink it. it. Good for yeah, you guys. Exactly. We didn't go the route of producing ourselves. We got too lazy. So we come here and have everybody do it for us. Well, I was afraid <laughs> nice, I'd buy nice. all, I thought I'd buy all the wrong equipment and then we'd have to do it all over again too. Yeah. I mean, and... as you know, the technology of podcasting has probably changed a lot since you guys started too. And you have to keep up with the times with that. Right, right, exactly. And we've been through, you know, different uh, iterations, different. I mean, if you go listen to episode one, there's a difference. Yeah. <laughs> both I in, feel like it's so bad. I know, both in like <laughs> audio quality, but also in like... The way you talk. Yeah, and mm -hmm. the rapport and yeah. uh, the pauses or whatever. I trained myself, you know, to pause instead of saying, um, and, and things like that. So that takes a little time. Yeah. It takes some perfecting. Speaking of the rapport, we were talking about that with, uh, being husband and wife. Yeah. You guys, uh, have no problem working together, obviously, huh? Wow. <laughs> uh, uh, a fair number of the podcasts are edited. Yeah, that's true. It, you know, it comes out, it comes together in the end. Sometimes yeah. there's some back and forth as we think about topics. Mm -hmm. um, but I find that in the end, it always turns out better with uh, both of us having that input. So sometimes we'll start off with something that's, you know, the idea isn't quite there or one of us disagrees with it. But mm -hmm. in talking it out, we usually come up with something that's better than the original. I, yeah. yeah. I noticed uh, I was listening to one of your podcasts that you have another woman there that sometimes uh, you will do Sarah the podcast with her also. Yes, we have uh, Jennifer Crank. She's a, a well-known competitor in the agility world. And uh, we added her to the Bad Dog Agility team about a year and a half ago, I think, about that time. That's nice. And yeah, and so um, she is our co-host. And uh, it, sometimes she'll do it with us, Savan. Sometimes she'll do it with me. Sometimes it's the three of us. Uh, we're basically all three of us um, co-hosts at this point. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's nice to have another voice. Um, we find that with three people, we don't always need to all three be here. And especially right. if we're interviewing somebody else. So now it's kind of mix and match who your hosts are going to be. Yeah. On, uh, Takes the pressure off a little bit. Yeah. I'm looking for another woman to do this. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to, he's going to invite you up next, Sarah. Good luck. So I want to talk about, uh, these power rankings because like I'm an agility person. I know for a lot of pet people, that doesn't mean anything, but like when the power rankings go up, I'm scouring the list and looking at the kennel names and everything else. And then you guys just really the decade-long power rankings, right? Did yes. I just see that come out? Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what's it like of all time? So how did those come to be? And, like, just explain a little bit of that process. That's a great way to get people to want to see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, you guys yeah. are owning it, and everybody's sharing it, and everybody loves it, especially if their dogs mentioned. I mean, it's just, it's like viral every time they're posted. 
Right. Yeah, I'm really excited about those. We are um, very analytical in all aspects of agility. Uh, And I am a software person by trade. And so um, the AKC puts out results of all of the trials. And so I wrote a program to gather up those results. And once I had those, of course, I wanted to answer some questions about it. Right. And so I... um, Uh, would take a look at the data and we kind of did that between ourselves for a little bit. And then we came up with the idea of having a ranking that was based on speed. So uh, literally yards per second. And that's something that um, doesn't exist anywhere else. Very unique. Yeah. And, and it is, it is an approximation, um, but it is the closest approximation to speed that, that we have now. Uh, and so we decided to just come up with our own ranking. Like we had the data, uh, we had ways that we wanted to see it and ways that we wanted to recognize dogs. And, and then because it took off, it is, it's basically its own, um, accomplishment now. So, you know, people, because people are excited about it, people want to achieve it. And so, uh, we actually just recorded a podcast yesterday that's going to go out later today where we talk about the decade rankings and about, um, the power rankings and, um, kind of the influence that it has on people, uh, today. So we're really happy about that because it's it's a speed sport, you know? Yeah, no, that's what matters. And it's nice because like I used to compete a lot in, uh, Frisbee and everything else. And that subjective side of like Frisbee and freestyle and everything is really tricky. And even sometimes with agility, it's like, well, was that a run out? Was it a refusal? Was, you know, like where the judge is looking and stuff. So it's nice that it's really just numbers. I mean, it's just a very objective perspective of like, yeah, your dog was fastest, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to talk about your dogs a little bit because I love, what's your golden's name? Gitchy. Yeah, Gitchy was uh, the golden that Esteban was running. She is uh, a co-own and and is now retired. So, uh, but yes, yeah, she had a, a very yeah, very nice was, career. She was amazing to watch against those border collies. It was just awesome. And then, um, when you guys pick your dogs, because you guys are competitors too. Like everyone's like, oh, you know, Sarah and Esteban know so much about agility. You guys are heavy competitors yourselves. So, what are you guys looking for in the dogs that you're choosing to integrate into your household and your family and your sport prospects and all of that? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, we have good answers because we just went through the process big time. <laughs> we have two puppies in-house right now. One is finally a year old. That's the poodle. One is 11 months old. That's the golden retriever. And so, uh, yeah, they came home, I guess, like March, April of 2019 of just this last year. And so we had been going through the process. So first, I, I want to say that the process of finding your next dog at least for us, is one that goes years. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's not something that you wake up one day and like 48 hours later, you have a dog. I think yeah. maybe when we first started, it was like that. So I remember getting the Rottweiler and, and the, the research that went into the Rottweiler was zero. Right? <laughs> zero. So we lived in Austin at the time. We're driving uh, on the road and then we looked over and there were all these tents, pop-up tents, and there were these people and they were giving away puppies. Not giving away, selling them. On the side of the road. On the side of the yeah, road. Literally, you like know, AKC a- Rottweilers. AKC bred or AKC registered Rottweilers, Chihuahuas, uh, you know, Cocker Spaniels, and all these cars were pulled over and looking at them. So literally, our this great Rottweiler that we got, she was so good at agility. Our first dog uh, uh, together was um, uh, a side of the road. for papers that we didn't get at the time and wouldn't get until like more than a year later. We we ended up ILPing her, which is what you do. It's an indefinite listing Listing privilege in order to compete in AKC events. 
And then later that we were able to turn that into full registration when the, the breeder actually came through with the papers. And um, But she was a great dog, was, no? She's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. We don't recommend this, but she <laughs> yeah. was fantastic. Well, yeah, back then, the genetically, of, everything was better. So it was an easier right, decision right. to make then. <laughs> yeah, so this is what goes into our At least you went to a quality. Then. It was just like, hey, just, you know. I like that dog. <laughs> I like that dog. Let's, let's get that dog. You know, there was no temperament testing that we didn't look at the parents. We didn't know anything about the lines or the pedigree mm-hmm. or, or the breed. Like yeah, you, liked, you got lucky. Like the way it looked. Yes, yeah. We got very so I think, lucky. You know, yeah. I think a lot of agility people are like that, but uh, now it's much more difficult. As you mentioned, you've got to incorporate them. You got to integrate them into your house. And so that's a big deal because we have children too. Yeah. Right? Human children, a 15 year old and a nine year old. I love how you specify human yeah. children. Nowadays you have to. <laughs> right? yeah, I, I think you do. And then we have uh, two older dogs. They can be a little cranky. The boy can definitely be cranky. I think they're about like eight, seven or eight, yeah, something, yeah. something like that. And so uh, it was time. Um, Gitchy is back in Louisiana now with uh, Susan Frazier, her family there. You know, she would come and live with us part of the year for the last, I don't know, like five or six years when we were working with her. But she's retired from all agility um, now, I think at age eight, almost nine. Maybe maybe mm-hmm. she's nine now. Um, so basically, you know, we had the two older dogs. So, it's you know, it really is time to get the, the next generation of dogs. And so we went out um, looking for them. And the number one thing we did, being very analytics driven, was said, hey, we've got these rankings. Let's go see who the best dogs are in this particular breed that yeah. we're interested in. Yeah, yeah and so then genetically, obviously, first. you cross-check yeah, breeders and genetics exactly. and all that yeah, stuff. Exactly. Yeah, It can be a hard game these days. And, I mean, puppies aren't cheap. And uh, it's it's obviously a 12- to 15-year commitment. And especially with agility, it's hard if your dog genetically has an issue structurally or, you know, maybe some ETS stop. ETS stuff pops up, it's a big decision. And people kind of think, oh, it doesn't really matter. But it's a big decision, especially if you're looking for a sport dog. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of benefits to the fact that we both do agility. We don't argue about the time or the money that we spend yeah. showing, for instance. <laughs> yeah. right. But um, the the one pseudo downside is it, it basically does double the number of dogs that you have. Yeah. So, you know, when we are looking to add dogs to the family, like I need a dog, he needs a dog. And then as our dogs get older, each of us need puppies and managing the timing of that. Um, you know, we didn't, I, I don't think we would normally want to get two puppies at the same time, but these two really, you know, we really like these two breedings. And so we decided to go for it. Um, But it it just does kind of complicate things with uh, two competitors that both need dogs. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. They're not going to run forever. That was hard for me too. I used to do a lot of canine entertainment and if you're going to do shows, you need like a pack of dogs. And then when they get old, you're not going to just ship them off. And I thought, well, this is great. I like a lot of stuff about it, but I don't want to own 13 dogs. And you need more, more dogs for if you're going to go tour around with the circus than if you do just to compete in agility. So are you guys happy with how the last year went? Are you happy with how things are going with the puppies? Yeah. I'm going to say yes. (laughs) I mean, they, they both have strengths and weaknesses and, you know, I think, um, they're very different too. yeah, Yeah. I think they are. They're, they're, super very different. I think they both have a really high ceiling, which is what we're looking for in agility. Like what is the maximum potential this dog can have? And the, if the answer for both of them is really, really high. So now it's our job to uh, help get, there. get them there. Yeah. 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 And sometimes yeah. that journey takes a little bit longer and it's even more rewarding when it does. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you guys have your own dogs? Like with us, I mean, 
we have dogs in the house, but they're Scott's dogs and they're my dogs. I mean, you guys aren't really sharing dogs for training or are you, or how does that work? Mm, we don't really No, We have his and hers dogs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lynn, <laughs> kind it, of, kind it, of, it depends. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they usually end up as uh, one of, you know, either my dog or his dog. Although, you know, if he can't make it to a trial, I've run his dogs plenty. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. Know. I'm, I'm going to say we split a lot. So there are like his and hers, but we spend significant amounts of time training and even trialing the other dog. Like the Rottweiler was Sarah's up until, I don't know, age three. And then she became almost exclusively mine in terms of like the training and trialing, except when I couldn't do it. So one year, right. you know, I remember I was doing, um, uh, OB gen rotation in medical school and I couldn't go to the AKC invitation. I was out in California. We live in Texas. So Sarah took the dog out there and competed there at the invitational and it was no big deal because, you know, she shows her on a semi-regular basis. But at that time, you know, that dog was still mine. So the next two years for the invitational, you know, we both went out there, but I ran her, she was mine. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a dog that split time, uh, our old border collie split time. Uh, the current border collies are more, his, hers, like venture is exclusively hers. That's her border collie. My border collie is like, I would say 80% mine. She still trialed my dog a little bit some of the time because of uh, work and other things. And, um, even with the puppies, like for the first, I don't know, eight months, the poodle was mine. The golden was hers, but she actually did a lot of work with both dogs. Uh, I did almost nothing with the golden. And so recently we just had a big swap because we looked at their personalities <laughs> yeah. And we do a lot of letting the dogs decide things, right? Yeah. We let the dogs kind of choose their favorite toys. We let them choose their favorite activities. Uh, and we let them choose the people that they would rather work with. So some dogs are going to do better with other people. And we don't. Uh, we try not to bang our heads against the wall. So the match was a little better the other way. I wanted to make it work with the poodle. She wanted to make it work with the golden. But at least for right now. Now, what's it going to be three years from now? What's it going to be five years from now? I can't tell you, right? right. And, right. and I'm guessing both of them are going to have a fair amount of work with Sarah, who's actually doing the running contact training for both dogs right now. So I'm hands off on that. Um, but for right now, we've switched. So the golden is mine. When people ask, the golden is mine. <laughs> the poodle is now Sarah. So we kind of go back and forth. Are you guys much more clearly demarcated? Well, we have to... If it was up to the dogs, they'd all be mine. So let's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's He's more fun. Here. He has a foundation of uh, French ring and like the protection sports, and he's just a more fun tugger. I mean, uh, if push mm. came to shove, then I'll just be like, "Daddy, daddy, daddy, like, daddy knows how to tug better." Yeah, right. We right. we have more different sports too, so that works. I like more competition, obedience, and agility, and Scott's been more into the detection and uh, the ring sports. So we train together, like we synergistically, the like foundation we'll work together. is different. Yeah, with my dogs right. and her dogs. Yeah, but I mean, they're all you know, obviously they're, if they're, we all feed the dogs the same, like some people are crazy. They're like, Oh, I, you let out your dogs. You let out my dogs. But just what we train is so different. Like I'm not going to go put the suit on and have his 70 pound Malinois plummeting me, you know, yeah. that being right. said, right. she can scrape his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't. <laughs> yeah, but they, they, listen, they listen to her better. It's just interesting the way um, different couples work those dynamics because depending on what you want to get out of the dogs and everything else, it's another um, testament to your marriage to be able to work through that. But like you said, sometimes it's best to switch things up. Scott had a retrieving problem when his puppy was young. I fixed it. I If I have an issue, I'll say, hey, mm. can you help me with this? It's just nice to be able to work off each other, especially when you're both knowledgeable and talented, you know? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's the same way for us. I've had issues uh, 
with dogs, uh, usually softer dogs, and then they work with Sarah a little bit, and then they pick up some confidence, and then they can kind of they they can go back to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can go back. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. What about the kids? Are the kids involved much with the dogs, or no? Um, the so, boy, not at all. Yeah. So our son, has, even from a very young age, she had no interest, and we did not push him in any way toward the sport. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then our nine-year-old daughter loves it all. Total loves, opposite. Total opposite. Loves all the dogs, loves to do things. And, uh, and both of them do help out. Like we, we will ask our son to videotape a lot of times if we're both mm. um, going to be in the video, he'll, he'll be the person who videotapes. Uh, but our daughter enjoys it more. She, she likes to be out there when we're training. She likes to uh, yell bar when the bar falls. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know that she likes to train bar. the dogs on the side. <laughs> yeah. and she's actually going this weekend with Sarah to New York City for Westminster. Oh, fun. Nice. Fun. Are you yeah. going to podcast there or compete there? I'm not competing. I'm, they're spectating and uh, doing videos and, and being there uh, for Jennifer and uh, our sponsored athlete, Sarah Baker. And um, yeah, I'm sure I'll do some live stuff and, and stuff like that on our Facebook page. I yeah. get to stay home with the dogs. There you now. go. <laughs> Watch make make both those puppies great. Um, right. So that leads me into my next question. What is the best like destination that that this business has taken you guys to? Because I mean, you've had more like worldwide reach maybe than you even thought initially. Like, how is this all developed, and what's kind of the best opportunity that the Bad Dog Agility Podcast and the Bad Dog Agility? It's almost like a company now with your online stuff and everything. Right. What's the best um, component that you can kind of take from that over the past decade? Yeah, I think um, doing things on the internet is pretty fantastic. I'm I'm a big fan <laughs> of yeah. the internet in general, and um, I think that there's kind of two things in terms of the podcast. Uh, the interviews have been amazing, um, so being able to have access to a lot of different trainers uh, and a lot of people in different fields. So yeah. we have interviews with like Michael Ellis, who is uh, big in into um, like Schutzen training. He's very well known in that area and not as well known in agility, but uh, there's a lot to learn from him. And so being able to just call up somebody like that and say, we'd like to interview on our podcast and have them say yes mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. And so um, I enjoy that for myself. Um, and I'm also excited for the community to be able to, to bring uh, different people to the community and kind of spread the reach that way and what they do. Yeah. And I think in terms of literal destinations, uh, <laughs> starting um, last year, um, I started going to the Agility World Championships. So I went last year and this year. So that would be 2018 and 2019. And I've already bought my tickets for 2020. Good girl. Um, and yeah, and I am I am going um, as spectator and as press and doing uh, videos and bringing back stuff for instruction, um, and um, and that's all because of everything that we've done with uh, Bad Dog Agility and with the podcast that I'm able to do that and um, take that time and. Uh, you know, book those flights and things like that. That's a good business expense. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have, have you gotten any resistance from um, some of the big athletes? Like when you want to do the interviews, uh, like from walkthroughs and everything else, like does that screw up kind of their mindset for a big game like that? Or are people pretty um, open to that? Well, offer? you know, being competitors ourselves, um, I am actually extremely protective of the athletes. Yeah. So, you know, we have, um, uh, like, uh, we have several courses where, uh, we do videos with the athletes, uh, and they talk about their plan for running and they talk about their performance afterwards. And, uh, when we do that, I, I do not want to mess with their warm up, their cool down. And, um, I go 
and hand them an iPad ready for them to look at their run when they're ready for it. Yeah. Uh, I upload it to the internet. Like I don't ask them to do anything other than give me the 10 minutes it takes for them to walk through their thought process. Um, so, so yeah, everybody's been very happy to, to, uh, be a part of that. And, um, you know, I'm never going to push them to do anything that would make them, uh, uncomfortable or perform less well or, or anything. Yeah. Like but like you said, your sensitivity coming to them as a competitor probably helps because people don't realize it's not just like running around and best in show. Like that moment before you're going into the ring or when you come out from the walkthrough, like you're in your zone, you can't just right. run up and start chit-chatting. <laughs> right. So, exactly. Yeah. Got another question for you here. What does your future look like for Bad Dog Agility over the next three to five years? Do you have plans to take it in a certain direction or keep doing what you're doing or you don't, do you think about it much, the future of the, the podcast and the business? Sure. You know, I think um, overall, I think it's safe to say, oh, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Um, when I think about what we're doing, uh, like, like when I talked about uh, how we started the uh, blog, it was to really help people on the instruction side. And that's really technical, right? It's, um, you know, what, what you do with your feet during your front cross, right. you know, the maintaining eye contact, reconnecting with your dog when they go into a tunnel, you know, they're, they're separated from you for a moment and you need to reconnect before you can move on to the next part of the course. Those are, those are very technical things like sure. how to drive a car, how to ride a bicycle. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like that's the easy part of agility when you're trying to teach someone that's going to come, it's going to come with experience. It's going to come with them watching people do it very well. And they're going to, they're going to learn it. You know, it's like learning how to read. You just sure. need to invest a little bit of time. But what I'm running into now are people who have issues with dogs where the dogs aren't motivated to do the sport. And then when you look at it a little mostly, it's not because this person is bad at agility or their footwork is bad or their timing is bad. It's that, uh, you know, they are having issues with their relationship the dog is right. very sensitive to the environment. The dog doesn't have a lot of confidence or the dogs had prior bad experiences. And so that's something that I, at least for me, I was not prepared for that, right. right. To get those kinds of, uh, dogs and people who needed help where fixing the agility and getting a more reliable contact performance and helping them with their weave entries not wasn't necessarily going to make them faster on course or enjoy the sport more. Uh, so we have definitely, started providing content in that direction and mm-hmm. bringing people onto the podcast to address those issues. Like uh, Sarah Stramming will work with reactive and anxious dogs, overly aroused, mm-hmm. right? So certainly I think in all sports, uh, you know, uh, when I think even of um, IPO, Schutzen, you know, you're going to have dogs that are just, you know, is this dog a dog that can live inside or do they need to be out in a kennel? And what's their mindset when right. they're, you know, biting or, you know, how, how is this going to affect, you know, the way they heal and, and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, getting into the minds of, of the dogs and then on the other part of that, the other half of the team is, is the human team. Right. And so, you know, I'm, I'm working on that kind of stuff now with our members who train with us. And then I'm going to create a court exclusively for that. We've seen a little bit of that. It falls under the area of like mental prep, but that's yeah. more, when people talk about mental preparation, they talk about how not to choke or yeah. you know how to perform very well under stress. And, and that's not really what I'm talking about. There are people who struggle with um, anxiety mm-hmm. and yeah. depression, especially 
with poor performances. Like for me, coming from that background in medicine, which can be very tough. And when you're, when I was in wound care, and, and actually now I'm recently retired, um, there's a lot of end of life issues, right? It can be very depressing. It's emotionally difficult. And agility for me and so many other people who work full time, it's an escape. Agility is an yeah. escape. You want to sure. go and you want to get your ribbons and you want to spend time with your friends and you want to eat cheesecake and, and <laughs> you know, yeah. um, not think about work drink with your friends. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so that that's all good until agility itself becomes a stressor, right? Mm-hmm. And you see that in people all the time, right? People who come into the sport, they're there for several years and, and then they have to leave because it's just causing them so much unhappiness and stress. So I think, you know, again, I, I got to, uh, I feel like I want to work on that aspect as well. So we're really talking about the relationship between the dog and the person, right? And and really that's what all these dog sports are. There Mm -hmm. is some utility to it, you know, whether you're a police dog, a scent work, a guide dog, an agility dog, like there's some utility there. Um, But I think at the end of the day, for for the vast majority of dogs, it's about that relationship. And so, you know, as far as like – an overall philosophy, I think we're moving, slowly moving from not just technical and analytical, but to the uh, emotional, the psychological, the mental, that, that kind of aspect. Yeah, that's yeah. A, a little ironic that yeah. you say that because, you know, I've been in the pet dog world here for 15 years and the technical aspects of it are real simple. But the mm-hmm. relationship mm-hmm. that people have with their dogs and the anxiety that the people are bringing uh, to their dogs and all that stuff is more what I wind up doing with people than than the hands-on technical aspect, which is pretty simple, you right. know. But their own issues, you know, um, go right down the leash to the dog quite often, you know. Yeah, and we're right. talking different genetics than when you guys had your street side ILP Roddy, obviously. And <laughs> um, you know, I think from a sport perspective, people sometimes have a hard time tweeting out <clears throat> drive and anxiety. You know what I mean? Like really high drive necessarily isn't necessarily high drive. Sometimes it's manifesting itself in these behaviors. So the dog's just a little bit nutty in the head. So it's important to have someone to be able to walk you through that, that stuff. And it's nice that you guys are pointing to that because everything's interrelated, handling the dog, you know, what things look like before you go into the ring, what you're doing after, no matter how the run went, like all of that is making the final product of what you're going to be as a team. So I appreciate you guys looking at that aspect of it because not too many people are right now, you know, no, when right. people start getting more competitive, all of a sudden it's not fun anymore too. They start having some success and then all of a sudden it becomes super important. And then all of a sudden it sucks, you know? Yeah, it is. Right, it is competitive. Right. And, and you know, it, it's changed a lot. It used to be, um, 10 years ago or whatever. I mean, I competed more in the nineties and it was just, you know, you go out, you do stuff, everything's fun. Now it's so competitive and can be so clicky and stuff sometimes that if you're going to sit at a show all day, you know, maybe it's best for you to just go work on the, in the laptop at a coffee shop for a few hours and then go compete, you know, whatever works for you and your dog versus getting wrapped up in it. And like you said, kind of quitting at the end, you know? Right, right. Exactly. And I think, uh, the podcast has helped Uh, I think tease some of that out for us because it is an audio format, which, uh, you know, normally when we're teaching agility, it's highly, highly visual. Yeah. And so when we have to come up with a new topic, uh, every week for an audio podcast, we ended up, um, doing a lot of podcasts that were more mindset. 
yeah. um, you know, more on the mindset. And the more we did that, the more we realized how important it was. Uh, the more feedback we got from people where, you know, depending on the person, the right podcast at the right time with the right message can really make a difference to that person. And so, sure. um, you know, the, those emails that we would get where people would tell us that, I mean, that it's literally life changing when, when agility is your life and mm -hmm. you improve agility and how you, you know, relate to it and how you um, feel about it, then it is, you know, de facto life changing because sure. that is what you do with your time and your energy. Yeah. 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 And that's not something that I expected, you know, way back when I wrote that first article, like there's no way that I could envision this kind of stuff would happen. We just had a message, I think on Facebook, you showed it to me a day or two ago and it was from someone, uh, you know, that we don't know. And she said that um, she had heard a podcast that we had Sarah Streming on. So she listened to it. She was a fan of the podcast, listened to a bunch, but especially the Sarah Streming one. She said at that time she was thinking about getting out of agility, like literally quitting. And then she sent us this note a couple of days ago because she's going to be competing at Westminster this weekend, right? And it's like a dream come true for her, right? And so, you know... Uh, I think as high level competitors, you know, people like me and Jennifer and we're, we're out there and we're trying to win nationals. We're trying to be like, you know, for me, I wanted to be the first non-border collie to win the 20 inch nationals <laughs> at AKC. Oh, so close. Yeah. Multiple times. I know. Uh, you know, but we put in so much work and effort to compete at that level and to compete against the very best. And it, it just isn't always about that. You yeah. Know? It, it wasn't, it's no longer, I, I think there was a time when I first started where I felt like that would have been the highest goal, yeah. the highest achievement, the most worthy thing that I'm doing here. And, um, and, and it's not right. Yeah. So it's bigger than that. Message now. And this person is doing this and yeah. then you're just like, you know, it doesn't matter if I go out and we bomb all her runs at Westminster, um, uh, because you know, we are having an impact, uh, a very positive impact. I think on somebody and, you know, for helping one person, you're probably helping two. Yeah, so, for sure. You know, I, I think it's a, that's something that I just wasn't expecting. Yeah. Well, and it's important today in the days of social media also to be able to have a positive reach because it seems like we're cutting each other down so often with social yes. media and everything else. So it's important to be able to have that. And I'm sure you guys can agree. I mean, dog people are nutty. You guys are, everybody that gets into dogs is a little bit extreme. You know, I mean, Scott and I have lived it well with the bite work and agility and everything else. So you really need to cater to that also that these people are a little more extreme. They're getting dogs who are a little bit more extreme and you really need to be able to speak to them in a way that like, Hey, I'm a little bit nutty too, but we can keep things at bay. So that's important. Right. Yep. Well, great. Well, thanks so much guys for coming on. You were kind of like our Mike Ellis acceptance of coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. <laughs> I'm going to pull yeah. out uh Sinky. Sarah has a dog closely related to my dog. So I brought her here today. Come here, so, free. Oh, Come here, free. The she whole said hi. <gasps> oh my goodness. She said, hello. I'm saying hi to everyone. Quiet down. <laughs> she goes, we never got to be in a podcast before. Um, well, good luck with your fun times at Westminster guys. And um, yeah. I hope that you get thank to meet you. the lady that gave you that message. That's yeah. a super awesome yeah. story. Yeah. And uh, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It was great meeting you and talking with you. Yeah. Keep doing oh, what you're doing, guys. Thank you very much thanks so much. Us. Keep it quirky. <laughs> good girl. You're a good girl. Are you silly? What's the matter? You never been on a podcast? You're crazy. Uh, go see your dad. Oops. Uh, I got her. Oh boy. Hey, it's a buggy. It's a buggy. It's a buggy. Bug, 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 bug. You're crazy. You're crazy. Put her down. Come here. Free. Good girl. Come here. Ready? Sit. Sit down. Free. Get it. Should have gotten your cheese. Come here. I should have gotten your cheese. Come. Here.
Does your dog seem anxious? Would you like your dog to relax? Do you want to feel more in control? Would you like your dog to cooperate? HowToCalmYourCanine.com That's HowToCalmYourCanine.com The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.